Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Secret Podcast at Six Sense Media and Service of Change. It's the show that challenges reality, questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change, making the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. Once again, that's what we aim to do on this episode of the Seeker Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II, my friends. Tonight, I want to talk about fear. It's been on my mind all week. Things have been manifesting in front of me. The message has been driven home like a spike into my head, or as the intro just said, our good friend Morpheus like a splinter in your mind driving you mad. This splinter has been driving me mad for at least 20 years, trying to understand my fears as I stare them down night after night. What is it that lurks in the darkness? It may be more than we realize. It may be one of the greatest teaching tools ingrained into this matrix of virtual reality that we believe we exist within. I want to talk about all of that this evening. What does it mean? I'm going to share some of my greatest fears, some of my experiences that I've been through and some other commentary from other authors and celebrities uh, talking about fear. Speaking of celebrities, Anthony Bourdain was found dead yesterday. Uh, was that the 8th of June, 2018? He committed suicide in his hotel room. I'm sharing that because it's somewhat relevant to what uh, I want to talk about uh, on this episode in terms of fear. And in some of our other news stories that I'm going to get to, uh, and I'll get into that in just a second. I know that was the perfect segue. Um, so here we go. Ray Davis, I was in touch with him earlier today talking about a few things. He sent me a link, and this link was from starclear.com, and the, uh, the story, the article is Celebrities Under Attack. And this talks about the energy that I'm always talking about on the show, uh, how that energy, it just because we can't see it, just because most of us aren't aware of the energetic component that's a real measurable thing doesn't mean it's not there doesn't mean it doesn't affect us you know my first book in the series i am human we are not who we think we are i make the analogy everything was an analogy you know with i was raising fit it was it was crazy i you know i had just this this download of understanding and i was using everyday things in my around me to explain this reality and I had fish. I was raising fish at the time, tiger barbs. And I was trying everything to try to get them to breed because I thought that would be cool. Man, I don't know, maybe I was playing God. And I thought it would be cool to get these fish to breed. And I was doing a lot of research on it. And I read that depending on the type of food you give them will affect their moods, their behaviors, depending on the, depending on the temperature of the water, depending on the pH level of the water, will impact how these fish act. Well, these fish can't see or perceive knowingly the pH level or the temperature, they, they don't understand those things, at least as far as I can tell, but it still affects them. And that was the point. There were invisible forces manipulated by me that caused certain chemical and physiological and behavioral reactions within the fish. There are things around us that we can't see that cause certain chemical, physiological, and energetic reactions among ourselves as human beings. I mean, case in point, 
take a drug, what's going to happen? It's going to alter your consciousness. It's going to alter your mood, your behavior, your motor functions, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, energy, energetic weapons, you know, that, that's starting to come out in the mainstream. You've got these people in uh, China and first Cuba, now China. They're reporting um, slight brain damage from these extremely low frequency weapons. Um, it's there. We're just, it's just not popular to think about. Well, on an energetic level, we are transmitters and we are receivers of energy. And that's why understanding our fear is so important because there are things that benefit from our production of fear-based energy. When we have that energy of fear, when we're in that state of fear, we're putting out a specific frequency. That frequency is desirable. It's my understanding, it's my belief based on my research that that is why we see so much chaos in the world. That is why we have this addiction to oil. That's why we have this addiction to warfare. That is why we are destroying the planet. That is why we are the gluttonous carnivores as a society that we are because that produces maximum suffering of life on this planet. Fear and suffering and sadness. It's a factory farm to create fear. And I'm just going for it. I'm just putting it all out there right now. And I can back it up with a logical argument as I go through my book, as you go through and listen to my other shows. You know, here's one of my fears. I know most of you listening listen every week, and I don't need to give these disclaimers. But I have this fear that somebody's going to listen and go, dude, what are you talking about? You're nuts. So I always feel like I have to justify myself. And I don't know why. Maybe I don't want to sound like a crazy guy. Maybe I don't want to make assumptions. I have all these little fears in my head, but it, it impacts how I'm doing things. I've managed those fears. It's not limiting me in what I'm doing, but I do have those fears. And I guess, too, for, for any new listeners, I, I, I don't want to overwhelm people with going off the deep end. But anyway, I feel like I'm, I'm a preacher right now with just talking about the fear and the fire and the brimstone and you are condemned. It's not where I'm at right now, but... It seems, why do we have so much suffering? Why do we have so much fear in this world? I want to explore that, not so much the why, but what we can do with that fear. Because I think we're stuck in a particular point, and I think that stagnation on our part, that failure to evolve and grow past fear is being capitalized on. Because if we can understand our fear, we can bypass our fear, and we can no longer be crippled by that fear. I can't wait to get into all this stuff. I'm so excited. Anyway, this article here that I just talked about that, that Ray sent me, um, I don't know when it was written. I don't see a date on it. Let me scroll to the bottom. But it's written by Jeffrey Sealman, and it's very relevant to what just happened to Anthony Bordeaux. So it says, what happens when thousands of people are thinking about you? Charlie Sheen, Lindsay Lohan, Republicans, and Democrats. Every person on this earth generates emotional energy. Side note, I mean, again, I love when somebody says the same stuff that I talk about, and we can document this through the Institute of Heart Math. All right, back to his article. Every single one, although we cannot see emotional energies, we can feel them. Everyone has an experience or story of feeling a positive or negative environment or person. What you are picking up on is emotional energy. And not all emotional energy is good for us. Negative emotional energies can have a profound effect upon our moods, energy levels, and even physical health. When people are thinking about us, they are actually sending us emotional energy. They don't have to know where we are, just who we are. Again, true statement with practicing Reiki, you can do what's called distance Reiki. I've been doing it now um, for the past 
couple of months, I've been ex- reaching out in the mor- my morning meditations, finding people I know who are in need of Reiki and administering Reiki energy to them. I haven't spoken to them about it. I don't know what they're feeling, or what they're perceiving. It's just something that I know is possible. Uh, and other people that I know that are mediums that do energy work or, or psychics, um, you know, they'll tell you the same thing. They don't need to be in the same room with you. They don't need to touch you because on the energetic level, time and space and distance, they don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because this is more of a matrix of reality. It's a different interface. It's a different medium of communication and transportation. All right, back to the article. Multiply that by thousands and even millions of people and the effects of emotional energy can be devastating upon celebrities, politicians, and people in positions of authority and power. Many people are obsessed by individuals in the news, celebrities, and individuals that are seen on television, movies, and even heard on the radio. Emotional energies not being physical in nature are not restricted by distance. When many people are thinking about any one particular individual, an incredible amount of emotional energy can permeate into that person's energy fields, and that can lead to big trouble. David Icke talks about it all the time. He says, energy flows where attention goes. Imagine sitting in a restaurant or being out somewhere or sitting in a classroom, and you get that feeling in the back, in the back of your neck, and you turn around and somebody's staring at you because their energy is focused on you and your body perceives that. We are capable of sensing this stuff. We just need to practice. And this is like the theme of why I do the show is there's some scary stuff out there, some of which I talk about. But once we understand the scary stuff and how it works, we can use that information against whatever is directing that scary stuff toward us. Okay, so... I understand that stuff is scary, that energy is negative and it can influence us and have a negative impact on us, but then wouldn't the reverse be true as well? If I'm aware that I'm intentionally being induced in a state of fear, if I can sidestep that fear and no longer be afraid, can I now redirect positive energy into myself and towards others around me and re or cleanse that negative soup of energy around us? This is the revolution, my friends. This is the true resistance. Resistance in the uh, energetic term, meaning positive and negative, the, the balance between them. We can resist the negativity by bypassing it and setting a positive stream to counteract and neutralize that negative flow. It's energetics, my friends. All right, looking back at this article again, celebrities and well-known people can easily become victims of emotional energies of their fans and detractors. Physical structures and distance offer no protection to the effects of emotional energy. Without proper protection techniques, there's a clear pathway to any individual family or group. Celebrities and well-known individuals should pay particular attention to protection of their body's energy fields. We live in a world where celebrities and their intentions can be greatly misunderstood. Confused and mentally unbalanced fans sometimes do not know the difference between the real individual and the one portrayed in the television and in the mo- in the movies. Anger, jealousy, obsession, and even rage can find their way to the target. Negative and twisted emotional energies bombard celebrities on a daily basis and become lodged in that person's energy field and can cause a variety of negative emotional feelings and can even have more serious side effects. Because emotional energies are not hindered by distance, protection is really the only option. If you're new to this stuff, it sounds really weird. Again, I got to defer you back to all the resources that I have, all the shows that I've done. This is episode, what, 147? It's all available for free, SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, Go check it out, servicechange.com, sixcentsmedia.net. Everything's there. Well, most of it's there. Um, You know, everything you need to know to understand what it is I'm talking about right now. 
Uh, I'm going to leave the rest of this article. Um, I'll have the links in the show notes and, and at servicechange.com, sixcentsmedia.net. And it's going to go out in the secret newsletter this evening. So you can have it in your inboxes tomorrow morning. That's Sunday morning as it goes out every week. Um, so you can read the rest of this. Uh, it sounds like it's uh, they offer training on how to protect yourself as well if you want to get in touch with that company. I haven't explored it. I don't know anything about it. This is the first I've read the article, but that's one of the things that they're offering. Um, but that's a reality, you, you know, you know, and I felt it, and I've talked about it the last couple of weeks, how I felt that bombardment. You know, when I was younger, when I was in my teens, I started uh, I started reading tarot. And I was doing a lot of readings for my friends, and I was learning a lot of things I didn't know about my friends, and I was tapping into them energetically. And what I was finding was that the people that I cared about, that I called my friends, weren't the people I really thought they were. And that upset me. It, it changed my view of them. And uh, I stopped reading and I stopped using that connection, that energy to read people for several years. And it, it, I have to say, it was, for me, it's the equivalent of giving up one of our senses or muffling one of our senses, reducing our vision, reducing our hearing, because I rely on that sense, that energetic perception so often that when I shut it down, but I just didn't want, I was so bombarded with stuff. So, you know, a few years back, I decided I need to open it back up again. And I have faced some scary stuff, but I have learned so much and I've learned to use it. Now, are there days where I'm bombarded and I'm drained and I'm overwhelmed and I walk into a room and I can feel everybody's energy? Yes. But I wouldn't trade it because all that teaches me is I need to learn how to better balance it. Same thing with your sense of sight, smell, and hearing. I, I'm well versed enough, there's certain movies I have learned not to look at because the visual, the stimulation of my visual sense in certain frequencies or certain uh, depictions of violence upsets me. It brings me down. It makes me upset. Just like certain songs or sounds, are, uh, they, they bother me or certain smells. So what do I do? I don't listen to them. I don't smell them. I don't look at them. It's the same thing with the energetic sense. The more I understand it, the more I recognize I will not inter interact with these types of energies. Now, on a side note, I, I, I'm not going to get too into this yet because I'm still understanding it, but this is one of these this week's lessons. Um, I, I'm realizing that I perceive people and interact with people and get to know people through their energy. So while we may be having a conversation with words, we're also having a conversation with our energy. Um, and those energies bring and take different things to us and from us. Did you ever just talk to somebody and you don't know why, you just feel enraged? You ever talk to somebody else and you feel drained after you speak with them? Oh my God, it was exhausting talking to them. And then you talk to some people and you feel like, oh my gosh, this is my soulmate. We are just clicking and I feel so good I can go out and run a marathon. Because the different frequencies that we all give off towards one another have different effects on each other, on us. And everybody's different. Everybody's range is different. Everybody's harmony and vibration is different. So your wavelength is going to interact differently with somebody else's wavelength. And, you know, person B may have one effect on me and have a completely different effect on you because your wavelength is different from my wavelength. It's all energetics. But these, we, we all have these different feelings and interactions. 
and I'm starting to really understand and recognize people by their, I, I want to say their energetic signatures. And it's basically, how do they make you feel? And feeling is a tough thing to pin down and to understand. And I'm talking about the energetic sensations that I get that you can then interpret as emotion. And it's a very powerful thing. It's very, And in my opinion, it's a very true thing. It's a very revealing thing. And I, I don't think I'm ready to get into more of that because I'm still working through it because it's been it's been an exhausting yet eye-opening week energetically for me and it's 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 been teaching me and I'm going to tie in that that intuition and there's a I'm going to describe it as a voice but it's not a voice it's a guide I, I don't know if it's another aspect of myself my higher self a spirit guide whatever you want to call it but it's something that that seems to lead me into situations that force me to learn. And if you think about this existence as some form of virtual reality, which I'm pretty sure that that's a really good metaphor if it's not a literal translation as to what this existence is, what this reality is, well then the AI or whatever runs this, or the Aeon, whatever runs this virtual reality, would be uh, omniscient, all-knowing, and omnipotent, probably all-powerful, it would have the ability to manipulate our realities on a level that is beyond, was it fourth dimensional chess, as they say, to generate scenarios that are going to force us to learn, give us tests to take. And we'll talk a little bit more about those tests when we get to the fear aspect of things. And I can just go on. I have so much I want to say about this, but I think it's so important. Another article that came up, and I think this ties into what we talked about with Anthony Bordeaux and, and with um, you know these energies being directed at celebrities. I've covered something similar to this uh, a, a few weeks ago on Yahoo News. Demonic possession is real and victims seeking exorcism should not be ignored. Prominent psychiatrist on the world beyond. This was, uh, I guess, originally written by Rachel Ray of The Telegraph. It's a phenomenon that is on the rise throughout the world. The number of cases of demonic possession and demands for priests to carry out exorcisms is, according to multiple sources, soaring. Medical science remains skeptical, however. A print, I'm sorry, medical science remains skeptical. However, a Princeton and Yale-educated mainstream psychiatrist believes demonic depression is indeed very real and claims that the majority of Americans agree, agree with him. With 25 years' experience in a private psychiatric practice and as a professor at New York Medical College and Columbia University, Dr. Richard Gallagher has a rare vantage point to observe human behavior. And then there is the inhuman, Gallagher. He's also a sought-after psychiatrist for discernment, the initial step in determining the need for exorcism. Dr. Gallagher has evaluated hundreds of cases of possible possession and, in a wide-ranging and rare interview with The Telegraph, explains why he believes the phenomenon is is genuine. In April, at a Vatican training course for exorcist priests, participants were told that demand for exorcism is booming as a result of a decline in Christian faith and the Internet providing easy access to black magic, magic, the occult, and Satanism. All right, I want to give a caveat there. Um, Obviously, the Christian faith is going to give that Christian perspective from it. Um, I don't think the reason why exorcism need is booming is because there's a decline in the Christian faith. Now, traditionally, having been raised Christian um, and, and moved beyond that, when I was a kid, I was told, don't play with the Ouija board. Don't dabble with psychic affairs because it opens you up to the devil. Um, and, and that may not be entirely false. 
but that has been used as a fear tactic to prevent you from tapping into your sixth sense, your true power. And I'm, I'm adamant about that. Um, you, you're told not to, because I have a lot of friends who are, who are Christian. And if, when I start talking about some of my stuff, they're like, ooh, I don't mess with that. I mean, that invites the devil into your house. Well, it invites the devil into your house if you open yourself up and start messing with some dark stuff. And if you don't really know what you're doing, if it's not really well thought out, if you're not putting up your proper forms of protection, it's not something to just mess with one night and say, I'm going to sit here and play with the Ouija board while I'm feeling all sorts of depressed and drinking and taking drugs. Yeah, you're going to bring something bad in on you. That is a possibility because there's bad stuff out there. Just like I'm not going to go into the middle of a, of a rundown urban neighborhood and, and start counting my money in the middle of the street. You just don't do it. But I would walk down that same neighborhood with a firearm on my side, with my money safely secured in my pocket, and my awareness about me because I understand how to protect myself it's less likely to invite something. And I can have positive interactions in those neighborhoods, which I did regularly. I taught in those neighborhoods, not without a, I didn't teach with a gun. Uh, side note, I didn't bring a firearm to school. But um, I had other forms of protection, my ability, my awareness, my understanding to communicate, uh, my ability to communicate with people. Same thing when you're dealing with the energetic stuff. Don't let that fear limit you from exploring your potential. And I'm not saying to jump in blindly. I want to give that disclaimer. You need to have some kind of an understanding of what's out there and how to protect yourself. Let me come back to this article. They're very, very smart. The intelligence level of a fallen angel, which is what I call them, is far superior to human beings. Now, again, I don't know necessarily that that's true. You know, I remember the movie The Mothman Prophecy. I don't remember the full quote, but he says, you know, maybe they can't see the future. Maybe they just have a different vantage or perspective of what's going on around here and allows them to see a little bit further down than we can. Um, I thought that was an interesting quote. I don't know that they're more advanced. I, you know, I did a show AI and demons claiming, you know, saying that it's possible that they're one and the same. If this is a virtual reality, maybe these demons, these uh, non-physical beings, are simply some form of software program that's out there running. And certain, because the reason why is because certain words and certain phrases invoke those demons and give you power over them, just as certain words and certain phrases can invoke Alexa to wake up and do certain things for you. That was my whole connection there to that. Let me come back to this article. Dr. Gallagher on demons. Pope Francis has repeatedly reminded his followers that Satan is, quote, a real being roaming the earth to devour souls like a lion. Now, I need to give reference to this here. Pope Francis said, Satan is a being to, that devours souls like a lion. He's not just making a random comparison right there. He's actually speaking in biblical code. Now, lion comes out of the Gnostic text. And a lot of times they say Jesus is a lion or God is a lion. No, that's a misinterpretation. When you talk about lion, a lion is referring to Yaldabaoth. Yaldabaoth comes out of the Gnostic writings. Yaldabaoth was the first archon, the demiurge. When Sophia left the Pleroma, Sophia or Sophia, I get yelled at sometimes because I pronounce her name different ways. Sophia, Sophia, she was an aeon. And, and she had this desire to create, this is Gnostic teachings here, she had this desire to create something different, but she wanted to do it by herself. Traditionally, when creation happened, 
uh, according to the Gnostic teachings, it happened between two aeons. And one was the male energy and one represented the female energy. Sophia decided to create by herself and she separated from the Pleroma, from the base reality, from God, from the source, whatever you want to call it. She separated from it and, and descended into what was called swirling chaos. And as she began her creation, from that chaos emerged the first archon. Now that archon was blind to the divine. That archon was called Yaldabaoth. And Yaldabaoth said, I am the only God because he couldn't perceive the divine beyond him. And Yaldabaoth was also referred to as a lion. He had the head of a lion and he was androgynous, both male and female sex parts. And he created the other gods and he and the archons, again, according to the Gnostics, I'm not preaching here. I know it sounds preachy, but according to the Nag Hammadi library and some of the books within there. And then he and the archons said, let us make man in our image. And the story goes on from there. So according to the Gnostic teachings, the being we perceive as God is in fact this demiurge called Yaldabaoth. When the Pope is referring to Satan being a lion devouring souls, he is referring to Yaldabaoth who has paraded around as the God of Abraham, who has paraded around as God. And one of the issues with that the... The reformed Christian church after Constantine had was they were they were persecuting the Gnostics because the Gnostics were not anti-Christian. They were anti-change in Christianity in saying that, yo, you guys got this story wrong now. You're doing it all wrong. You're now promoting the wrong God, the false God. They weren't against Christ. They weren't against Christianity. There's some powerful teachings in the teachings of Christ but it got perverted when that Bible was edited in 400 AD when they took out most of, or a lot of the books of the Bible that talk about this stuff. And I'm always nervous to talk about it because I'm afraid I'm going to offend my Christian friends, and I mean no offense. I'm not saying that the teachings of Christ are obsolete or are bad. I'm by no means an expert on that, but I do know a decent amount about this aspect of it, the archons and the Gnostic teachings. What it sounds to me, what I'm, I do believe, is that the original Christian teachings got perverted and there are parts that are missing that will fill in the blanks. So if somebody was to tell you, don't do that, it invites evil into your home. If those other, if you had the knowledge of what was taken out of your faith, you'd say, well, I've been taught how to navigate that for the kingdom of heaven is within me and I can connect to it and find my own protection and find my own knowledge of spiritual path in my own way. I am not afraid because I know what to do. Wow, I'm on a tangent right here. So I'll have I'll have this link to that article uh, in the show notes. Man, I'm really fired up over this. Um, really interesting stuff. But I want to move on to some of the stuff I'm talking about. I got two more stories I want to share toward the end of the show, uh, unrelated. Now, I've got a good flow going right now. So I'm going to jump into the content that I pulled for this show. Um, how did this start? So I was listening to a random podcast earlier this week. And uh, by Tom Campbell. And if you don't know who Tom Campbell is, Tom Campbell's a NASA scientist. Now, Tom Campbell was also one of the co-founders of the Monroe Institute with Bob Monroe, where they, he, you know, he's a transcendentalist. He learned transcendental meditation and started realizing that there's other levels of consciousness and there's something there, something you can learn from, something you can do to help you better interact with this reality. He, and he's got a ton of content on YouTube. If you if you look him up, Tom Campbell, a um, lot of very insightful stuff. And his his view is 
this world is a virtual reality and it's a giant teaching tool. And, you know, there's two aspects of it. Basically, you have fear and entropy, which is I'm afraid and I'm going to and then everything's going to start to decay because of my fear. And you've got love. And he says, when you're in a state of love, everything's okay. Everything works out and you can learn, you can move forward, you can have make wonderful things. And he says, but when you're in a state of fear, you're limited. So he was talking about, I'm just gonna read my notes here. Um, he was talking about ways to have an out-of-body experience because that's what they they learned at the Monroe Institute. One of the things they formulated through their hemisync technology using binaural beats is how to have an out-of-body experience. And what Tom Campbell was saying, he said, anger is a choice. What are you afraid of? He said, ego causes you to have fear because you have this idea of self. I am a teacher. I am so-and-so. And because of that, well, now I'm afraid of whatever that fear may be is going to threaten my identity of being a teacher or it's going to threaten my, my concept of personal safety. And what he said, and, and it's difficult, he says, you have to realize what you are not. You have to let the fears go. If you're afraid to do something because of what might happen, because, oh, well, I don't want to get hurt or I don't want to die. Ultimately, you need to realize, as Bob Monroe says, I am more than just a physical body. When this physical body dies, I still go on. And when you don't have that fear anymore, it changes things. Imagine playing a video, and I'm not saying go out and take risks. Your life, your physical existence right now is very valuable. We're here to do something, and that should not be cut short. Let me make that quite clear. But when you get rid of that fear and you have that understanding that, well, it's not the end. It may not be what I want right now, but it's not the end. You're free to... to explore this reality and this existence in greater detail, greater fullness. Um, so Tom Campbell says, let the fear go. I was doing a little bit more research. I was going through the Monroe Institute's website, and they have a lot of articles and testimony about people who have been through there. And there was a story about a woman. She wrote this article in, and she said she'd been going to their different programs for years, and she'd never had this great epiphany out-of-body experience that she had always wanted. But she was making these spiritual growth and progress and understanding. But she said one day she was meditating, and all of a sudden, before her eyes appeared a rubber band ball. I'm going to try to find this and link it to the show notes. I forget her name. Um, but she said she realized what this, that this ball had all these tightly wrapped rubber bands around it. Each rubber band represented an aspect of her identity. And when she would look at rubber bands, she knew, okay, this one means I'm a mother. And she said, I'm more than a mom. And the rubber band would disappear. I am a teacher. And the rubber band that was affiliated with teacher would disappear. And the ball kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And what it comes down to is we need to overcome our beliefs. Our beliefs, to an extent, serve a purpose. But our beliefs also limit us. They keep us confined. Again, I... I'm not picking on Christianity. We just talked about it today. But if you're a, a Christian, your belief system stays within the confines of Christianity. The stuff I'm talking about is not part of the Christian doctrine. And, and I've had people who are Christian that don't speak for all Christians. I want to make that quite clear. They say, well, that's not my faith. I don't believe that. Well, then now that's not part of your world, part of your reality. But now you're also not allowing yourself access to that information that could help 
alter, improve, or change your reality. So our belief system keeps us locked in. It keeps us tied into a certain point. Now, Bob Monroe does a lot of discussions, uh, and many people that I talk with who have been through the Monroe Institute we get locked into these belief systems, and after we die, many people who have strong beliefs, religious beliefs, they get absorbed into the belief system. Now, thought is a lot more powerful when you're in the out-of-body state. You know, We manifest reality, but in here, we're dealing with the thoughts of everybody else on this planet, so we have a collective physical reality that we have manifested through this matrix that we exist within. I know it sounds crazy, but I, I implore you, please go back and listen to my other content. That's why I make a bold statement like that because I've been putting in the time and sharing my resources with all of you. There's my fear, share, giving my disclaimer again. But I, I implore you to go look at that information. But when we're in the out-of-body states, our power of thought has a lot more power. Think about when you're having a dream and all of a sudden you think about something and then it manifests and becomes real and you get sucked into that reality. Well, imagine now your whole life you have one religious belief. When I die, I go to heaven. I show up at the gates and I get welcomed in by St. Peter and then I'm going to, you know, and it goes on and on and on and on. If you look at, there was one of the Star Trek episodes and there was this energy wave that was floating through space and they kept trying to get into it. And once you got into it, it was paradise and people wanted to be in that area. But then some people were there and realizing this is false reality. I need to get out. The people that write that show know what they are talking about. Ray, I'm sure you're going to know what exactly what episode or movie I'm talking about on that one. Shoot me a note. Let me know, please, buddy. Um, but that's a, a good concept of what happens. Now, side note, and, and you know, make a mental note of this. I, I'm in touch with some people, you know, who are affiliated with the Monroe Institute, who have been through the Monroe Institute, and I have some guests that I'm lining up for the next month who are part of Monroe's Lifeline Project. Now, with the Lifeline Project, if you read Bob Monroe's book, Ultimate Journey, what they discovered was that when in the out-of-body state, you have the ability or the choice to interact with people who have just transitioned, who have just died. There are people who are stuck here, and they can't get out of their own, their own mind, basically, because their belief system is so strong. I am alive, and I'm experiencing this. And sometimes they'll get stuck in that loop of that fear portion where, oh my gosh, I just died and oh, it's so traumatic and I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. It's so overwhelming. And they need an external reminder to help free them from that. So what the what they have found is that you can learn to go find these lost souls and give them that peace that they need. Bob Monroe does a beautiful job describing it. Well, I have a guest coming on who does this, and she's in the process of writing a book about it, how you can help relieve these souls. What Bob Monroe talks about is he gets to these people, and he just talks with them and says, well, why don't you come with me? And they start leaving and going to a different area, and he says, then we reach a certain point, and all of a sudden they disappear. And he says where they go is to their actual belief system. If they believe in Christianity, they go to they go to heaven. If they are, are Muslim, they go to paradise or wherever it is that uh, Muslim people believe that they go. On the flip side, and, and here's where it gets kind of confusing, and this is part my opinion, if you believe in hell and you believe that you are deserving of going to hell, what do you think your reality is going to be when you die, when you cross over? That's how much power we have. Well, this is a virtual reality system, and it's multi-levels, like the movie Inception. We're many layers deep, believe me. I get into this in the book, okay? So once you, tr once you cross over, 
That's why it's so important to do this work now in our physical reality, in our waking reality. Carlos Castaneda, Don Juan Mattis in his book said, shamans train for death during life so they can transcend death, so they don't get sucked back into it. Um, you know, Robert Morningsky talks about, you know, the, the ET technology, the white light that wipes your memory, wipes your understanding of things and sucks you back into this reincarnation, into this cycle. Okay. If you're comfortable with the out of body state and you can use that software that you have, you understand how to use that program and manipulate it. You can avoid that state of recycle, but the time to start practicing that is now, and it starts with meditation, it starts with mindfulness, it starts with awareness of self and self-awareness, two different things, okay? So that's the work we need to be doing, and, and, and the biggest inhibitor of that is fear. Fear is what will stop you dead in your tracks. I'm afraid of the devil. I'm afraid of angering God. I'm afraid of going to hell. I will not look at that stuff. I'm going to follow my doctrine. And when you do, when you die, you will go to another collectively created reality that mirrors what happens when Christians die until it's time for you to be recycled and sent back down here to earth for whatever purpose that serves. Again, some of this is my opinion, but some of but my opinion is based. I, I feel I need to give these caveats. My opinion is based on a lot of reading and research and experience of others, and I want you to draw your own conclusions because I feel like I'm coming off very strongly right now, and it's just because this is a subject that that excites me and that that I spent a lot of time studying it. So that's where we are. Be mindful of your belief systems, and and, and we need to start dismantling some of them and ask ourselves, how is this hindering me? It may help you in the moment. It may get you through tough times. Your faith in God may help you process and grieve when somebody passes. For me, it did the opposite. Not that I had faith, but it angered me thinking about religion, that this was God's will. Well, God's will that my father's going to suffer and die the way, in fact, that he did? Well, if that's God's will, if I ever meet God, then he's going to have a serious problem with me. That's exactly how I felt. I don't think that's the case. I digress. Sorry for getting personal there. Um, so what is this fear? I want to read a quote. If you've ever seen that movie, it's, uh, it's, it's with Will Smith and Jaden Smith. It's something Earth. I wish I should have wrote down the title. It's killing me. But he gives a speech about fear. And I'm convinced this one speech that's like three minutes long is the whole reason Will Smith wrote the book because he is an enlightened guy and he was giving us a message on how to understand and manipulate and benefit from this greater reality that we exist within. And here's what he says. He's telling his son, Jaden Smith, a story. And he says, fear is not real. The only place that fear can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. That is near insanity. That was powerful to me. But he, and he gives the caveat. He says, now do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real. But fear is a choice. We are all telling ourselves a story, and that day, mine changed. 
that's so powerful to me, and I've, I've, it's always stuck with me, but lately over the past week, I felt that it's been incredibly relevant and incredibly relevant for, um, for all of you. And, and in this movie, again, another reason why uh, Will Smith is, is, I think, giving us a message. In this movie, Earth had to be abandoned, and this alien race came down and was cons- eating everybody. It was killing humans and eating them. Now, these aliens can only see you when you have fear. Now, what am I talking about on my shows all the time? They feed off of fear, the archons, whatever you want to call them, the energy parasites. It's our fear that they desire. They manipulate things. Look at the media. Look at some of the stuff in Hollywood. Look at everything that people are going to tell you to scare you. They want you afraid. Because when you're afraid, they can find you and they can consume that energy from you. When you're not afraid, you're starving them out. They can no longer eat. You no longer have that value to them. You're either going to starve them out or they're going to disappear and go somewhere else. That's what we need to understand. There are scary things in this world, and instead of putting our heads in the sand, we need to understand what those scary things are, and we need to do something about it and not necessarily fight and create more violence and fear. We need to evolve. We need to adapt. We need to stand our ground and face that fear. I was talking to a guy in one of my groups online through Facebook, and he says, I've been traveling out of body for a very long time, and now all of a sudden I'm getting this paralysis and this uncontrollable fear. And the consensus was, yes, that fear is being induced by you. By It could be a variety of creatures, or but everybody also felt there's something you have to learn. Now, because this gentleman is so well-versed in out-of-body states, he recognized his fear, and the experience didn't end. And then a being appeared, and the being pinned him down, and the being was yelling at him, the being was scaring him, and, and he finally said, I'm not afraid of you. Stop. And the being was like, okay, you passed the test. And it brought him to another level of understanding and awareness. As crazy as it sounds, it, this is a this is a game. It's a virtual reality when you're in these states. And if you put yourself in the right mindset, the right energetic output, things change. You have power. And that, that came across my plate this week, and I think that was important. Uh, I want to share a personal experience I've had in a minute, but I want to go to one of my favorite authors, Whitley Strieber, in his book, Transformation. Now, Whitley talks about his encounters with these beings. He calls them the visitors. Most people that aren't familiar with his work call them aliens. He says, it's possible they're aliens, but I don't know where they come from. Chapter 15 in his book, Transformation, is called The Woods. Now, Whitley refers back to this frequently um, in his other books, in his shows on Dreamland, because that what he's learned through fear is so vitally important to our de- spiritual development. And there's a, this is kind of a catch-22 in here. Um, and, and may seem a little bit contradictory at one point, and I'm going to own that because it's about finding truth, not about being right. And I want to be always be clear that I'm, that's my goal is to, even if I, it sounds contradictory, I want to, put it out here because as I come into information, I want to share it because I want us to learn and evolve together. So at one point, Whitley was going out into the woods in the dark in the middle of the night to face these visitors. I'm just going to read excerpts from this chapter 15 in the woods. Sooner or later, I was going to have to go down into those woods. 
My relationship with the visitors was beginning to demonstrate to me that burying fear and coping with it were two different things. I had to face it, to taste it, to take its measure. And that was only possible when it was making my legs wobble and my mouth dry. I'm skipping ahead. It's not, I'm not reading consistently, just so you guys know. The more I challenged my fears, the more involved with me they became. I strongly suspected that they could have walked into my house and dispelled my terror of them in a moment. That they did not was probably an ethical act. By leaving me in the dark, they were granting me the chance to surmount my fears on my own. Instead of harming me, the visitors seemed to be daring me to transcend my weakness. I began to see an elegant and objective ethic behind their frightening manifestations and weird demands. If I could bear their presence in my life, if I could surmount my fears and my weaknesses, I was going to learn some extraordinary things. In the introduction to uh, my next book, I Am Human, I, I went on a similar thread and I said, you know, I've had these visitations in the night by these things. And although they've scared me, although they've angered me, if it wasn't for them, I never would have questioned what they were and what this reality was. And if it wasn't for that question, none of this would have happened. I never would have done the show. I never would have written books. I never would have explored things spiritually. None of it. So it may seem like a very bad thing, especially in the moment. I know that terror. But there's growth that comes from it. If we existed in a world where there was no fear, where there was no conflict, as much as I'd like to see that manifest... I'm starting to think we need to earn that. We need to face our fears. And I've done that since my father died. I was terrified that we're being consumed by these parasites and we're stuck in this prison of a planet. There's nothing we can do about it but watch each other suffer and die, ultimately. And through that, through that fear saying, well, I want to I want to look my attacker in the eye. I want to look at my predator and stand my ground and at least have the courage to tell me what he's doing to me. Through doing that, I found that we have power, my friends. Because I stood my ground and looked at that fear, I understood that fear and that fear is gone because I understand now. I don't understand everything. I should say I have a better understanding. Now, years ago, before my father passed, I had I had read I finally worked up the courage to read communion. This is probably two thousand eight, two thousand nine. And that book scared the shit out of me, excuse my language. And as I'm reading that, I started having more experiences. Cause I said, you know what? I, listen, as a kid, my mom read communion because we had stuff going on in our house. And I, you know, I was scared every night going to bed. I wouldn't talk about it. But the face of that gray on that book sat on a bookshelf, and any time I would, every once in a while, I would go grab the book and I'd stare at the face. And it would terrify me. I was like, I can't read this book. There's no way I can ever read this book because it just, I was paralyzed with fear. So years ago, I decided, I was in my 20s, and I was, I was at the top of my game. I was a police officer. I was, I was still an active cop at the time. I was a veteran of the military, had a lot of tactical training, a lot of tactical experience on the job every night. I knew, still know, how to handle myself. And I said, you know what? I'm a soldier. I'm a warrior. Bring it on. I'm going to learn everything I need to learn about my enemy. I said, if you're not going to present yourself and tell me who you are and why you're here, then I'm going to assume that you're a threat and I'm willing to fight you to the death. 
That's the line I drew in the sand. That's the decision that I made. I was taking that fear as I did as a police officer every night when I got a call going to some violent domestic with somebody with a weapon. I'm going to this. I'm taking the fight to you. I'm standing my ground. And that's exactly what I did. And I started conditioning myself the same way I trained as a cop, the same way I trained as a soldier, was to take the thought out of my reactions and to train myself to react a specific way. We have something that's called muscle memory. And as, as a fighter, as a police officer, as a martial artist, as a soldier, you want to train yourself to react without thinking. I hear shots. What do I do? Find cover and concealment. If I stop and think, is that gunshots? Oh, I don't know. What do I do? Boom, you're shot. You're dead. If you train yourself, pop, pop, oh my gosh, I'm on the ground, I'm rolling, I'm moving, I'm, I found cover, I found concealment, now I'm acquiring the target, shots fired downrange, target has been neutralized. That's how, you, that's how it works. You train yourself to react. Somebody walks up behind me, puts their hand on me, I'm spinning, I've got them locked up and balled up so fast, and then I think about it, wow. And I've had instances like that. I've had times where people have come at me or approached me or attacked me, and I'm, I've, I've reacted and I realized that my reaction happened faster than my ability to think about it and process it because it's muscle memory. It's just a reaction. It's like you put your hand on a hot stove, you're taking your hand away. Now, if you had to put your hand on a hot stove and then think about, this is hot, this burns, ow, I think this is causing me damage. Maybe I should lift my hand up. I lifted my hand up. It's a lot slower. So I took that principle and I trained myself that at night, when I was sleeping, the instant I perceived something in my room or in my home, the second I heard a sound, I was jumping out of my bed with my gun in my hand and running through my house searching for them. And I was envisioning myself, if they were trying to induce that state of sleep and paralysis in me, I'm going to sound pretty vulgar here, I envisioned myself killing them. And I said, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to catch you, I'm going to prove to the world that you're here, that you're real. And every night for about a month, I was jumping out of bed, running around my house until it was second nature, until they were, until I was ready. And I didn't sleep much because every night I was waking up and I started having more experiences and I started having more intense experiences. And I had a dream one night where there was a ship landing outside my home. And I was going through, I was getting ready to, I was dealing with it. And suddenly I got the perception that this is, this is a dream, this is a simulation, Dennis. And they are checking my programming. They're checking my plan. They want to see what I'm going to do. So they induced that scenario in me and I ran through it and they were able to see what level of a threat I posed to them. I know this sounds wild and crazy, right? And then the experience ended. And then I had a few more, then I had another experience after that where all of a sudden I'm paralyzed and they're there. And I know these beings are there. And what was communicated to me was we're going to let you see us but they had such a tight control on my ability to move, probably because of what they downloaded on me, that it was very slow. And I, so I'm, I'm there and I'm looking down and I can see their feet. And I think they were, wearing, they were wearing boots and overalls, which is a common description. 
And so slowly my head's moving up, moving up, moving up, and I get right to the bottom of their chin. This is huge progress. This is communication. And I got afraid to see their faces. And the experience ended. And I had one more opportunity. Uh, I was laying in bed and I had this encounter. And all of a sudden something, I, I sensed a being in the room before I could react. It was on my chest. I felt physical depression onto my chest and I heard this dark growling voice. Do you want to see my face? Is what it said to me. And I said, no! Fear got me. And the experience ended. And I thought, wow, they're really trying to scare me because they don't want me to make progress. But the more I think about it now, more recently, I think that this is some sort of program. And when we can work up the courage to say, you know what, you scare the shit out of me, but yes, I will stand my ground, I will look at your face. I think that's when we find that liberation. But I allow, I had opportunities to progress and they allowed me to progress as far as my fear would let me. I wasn't ready. And I've heard other people talk about very similar experiences. And you may not be ready yet. And that's why we need to do that inner work. We need to understand our fears. We need to break through the limitations that our belief has on our belief systems have on us because as a as a Christian my belief systems would tell me these are demons. This is the devil. I want nothing to do with it because I need to go to heaven. And it's a sin to commune with demons. But maybe by me holding my ground and holding its gaze and saying, you have no power over me, reference to the movie Labyrinth, maybe that's liberation. Maybe that allows me to move past and opens me up to a greater level of reality and existence. That's our true power, my friends. And I haven't broken through yet, not fully. But I'm getting there. And I think we all have the opportunity to get there. This was an emotional show for me, my friends. I feel a little drained in a good way. Um, But this is important. I'm going to give a side note here. I've got two more quick articles I want to reference. Um... But tonight, and, and this show is not going to be released before this announcement, you know, is relevant. But you can go back and listen to it. I'm doing a live reading tonight of the introduction. I am human food for the archons. It's going to be on. I'm going to do it on my Instagram feed uh, as a live video. I'm going to do it on the Facebook feed as well. Um, so if you're not following me on Instagram yet, it's author Dennis Nappy the second, and uh, on Facebook as well, it's Facebook.com/slash The Sixth Sense Media. Find us on there. You can watch the playback of the live feed where I'm doing a reading from my book. Um, you know, after listening to this episode, what I read tonight is going to really hit home. It's really, you're really going to understand it. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about, you know, more of the motivation for the book. So please check it out because I want your feedback, especially you, my listeners who've been with me through this journey. I'd love your feedback on this book as I'm getting ready to, uh, to release it and stuff. You know, I'm getting, I'm, I'm there, I'm ready to kick it out to my editor and, and I'm, I'm hoping this summer it's coming out. That's my goal to have it done. So that's what I want to do. Um, Moving over to SixthSenseMedia.net. If you haven't been checking it out, please do it. Ray, again, has been killing it. Uh, Ray and I are talking behind the scenes. Our schedules are about to converge again after the school year ends for me, and he's got some stuff going on. Um, We're putting some other things in the works for all of you out there 
but he has an article called Debate Over 50-Year-Old UFO Sighting Remains, uh, reminds us how far we haven't come. And I just want to read like the last two paragraphs of what he wrote, and I want you to go look at it. Uh, let, let me read what he wrote first, and I'll talk a little bit about it. Why in 2018 does our society still marginalize witnesses and experiencers? Why can't we have honest conversation on these topics instead of having reporters and politicians chide, ignore, and hide when top, the topic is raised? A lot of people feel like we're rolling toward disclosure. I feel like I'm seeing the same old variations on a theme, denial and derision. This case has significant evidence behind it. I hope you'll take a moment to listen to people like Tom Reed, even if you've never personally experienced anything like what they're describing. I hope you'll keep an open mind and demand that our media and politicians do the same. And that's the key. Keep that open mind. That's why I say at the end of every show, keep an open mind. Don't allow belief system to limit you and keep you trapped in that perceptive reality. Keep an open mind to somebody else's experiences. They may be telling the truth. They may be giving you knowledge and information that can help you move beyond where you are right now. So we don't have to do this again in the next lifetime and the next cycle. It's about evolution, my friends, and we need to do it and we need to do it now. I'm going to just give a plug here. There's a art- great article at Unknown Country. That's Whitley Strieber's website. It's called Dwarf Planet Keiju's new, new Orbital Plot Points to Planet Nine. More evidence for the existence of Planet Nine. I'm going to have the link to the Unknown Country article. I want you to check that out as well. Ray and I did a show last year, or maybe, geez, Ray, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago, talking about Planet Nine when it was first really uh, you know, a big hot topic again in the media. So this is a follow-up to that. Check that out. I'm about out of time, my friends. I got to start prepping for uh, my live feed later tonight. And I got to get this show released to all of you. So I hope you enjoyed it. I'd love your feedback on this one. Uh, I, I know I kind of went off the deep end um, and got a little preachy tonight. My apologies, but I, I was feeling the magic tonight, my friends. I, I was really feeling it. Uh, I was really enjoying doing this show because I've been thinking about this all week. I, I really wanted to get this out there and have this discussion because this, this, everything in this episode talks to the core of what I've been getting at. This here is it. If ever there was an episode that you shared, make this one it. Please put it out there uh, to your friends, to your family, to, even if it's just one person. Say, hey, you need to listen to this. You need to listen to what Dennis is saying here. This is the key. I really believe this is our resistance. This is our, our revolution. It's not even a rebellion because we don't have to, you know, as, as Nietzsche says, um, you know, when fighting monsters, be careful that you yourself do not become the monster. Uh, when, for when you gaze long enough into the abyss, the abyss also gazes back into you. That is one of the most powerful quotes as well. I, I refer back to that often. Um, you know, in, instead of fighting, just change the game. All right, my friends, love you all. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Secret Podcast. I'm Dennis Nappy II. Where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world, I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you.